ruckus maker. Usually I use this time to whet your appetite, to tell a story, uh, connect with you emotionally in terms of why you should continue to listen to the rest of the podcast and enjoy the conversation. Well, what I want to do today is just say, listen, okay? Sandra Nagy uh, joins me for the second time on the show. And her organization uh, that she's a part of, Future Design School, uh, they created a report that looks at the five trends they're seeing in education. So this is, you know, very, very useful for the you, the ruckus maker listening. Um, so you can hear about the five trends. And we also obviously get into some uh, interesting conversation around uh, like entrepreneurial thinking and skills and how that's going to help students succeed in the future. And I really love the idea of what do we want to take from the pandemic, right? Through the challenge, through the the pain, through the suffering, through the parts of it that was adventurous, uh, what do we want to keep? Because there were some really great and bright spots that happened. Uh, and you can hear what Sandra has to say on this. Uh, and I'd love to hear from you. What do you want to keep from what we've just been through? Hey, it's Daniel, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after these messages from our show sponsors. Deliver on your school's vision with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership, an online professional development program that bridges the fields of education and business. Courses include leading change, leading schools, and leading people. Apply today at hgse.me forward slash leader. That's hgse.me forward slash leader. Imagine a tool that allows you to deliver lessons from anywhere, which allows students to connect from anywhere and with any device. And it integrates with tools you already use, like Google Classroom and Microsoft Teams. If you think that sounds too good to be true, I can assure you it's not. That's why I'm proud to introduce you to the Smart Learning Suite Online. Learn more at smarttech.com forward slash learning suite. That's smarttech.com forward slash learning suite. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. Well, hey there, Ruckus Maker. We are joined again by uh, with Sandra Nagy, and she was first on season one, episode 186, back in February 2019. Uh, and she has so much value to share today. Sandra is a sought-after advisor to school leaders around the world, renowned for her deep expertise in strategic development and education. She works with organizations looking to transform learning. Her 20-year career includes leadership roles at Pearson Education, the Learning Partnership at Accenture, and she has a uh, Master's of Education from Harvard University and a Bachelor's of Communication from McGill and is currently the Managing Director at Future Design School. So, Sandra, welcome to the show again. Thank you, and thank you so much for having me. 
Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to have you back because you sent me a very useful and interesting report called The Future of Education 2020. Um, so I'd love to unpack some of the, the trends, the five trends that you're seeing, and maybe that's the best place to start. What are those trends you're seeing? Absolutely. So we uh, launched our inaugural Future of Education report this year, and we were all set to launch just before the pandemic hit. And then we held back a little bit and waited to see what was going to happen in this incubator that was education as we went into emergency shutdown. And then had the privilege, honestly, of working with school leaders and educators globally uh, to really see what was trending. And there were five key things that we saw. One was really focused on online learning and assessment and how that changed uh, in that moment of moving to remote. Um, the second was mental wellness and support and how we were really looking at understanding where students were at when we couldn't physically have them in front of us. Executive functioning skills and social emotional learning were another two key trends that were part of the report. And finally, equity and inclusion was the was the last piece. And I know we want to unpack different ones. So I thought I'd high level give you those trends. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. And, and uh, you know, something let's dig into uh, online learning and assessment. You know, uh, I want to get to assessment. But one thing that, that I really jumped out was this idea of rethinking timetables and scheduling. So before we talk about like, what are we assessing while we're even doing it? Uh, just, yeah, tell me a little bit about how you've been rethinking timetables and scheduling. Because if nothing else, the pandemic forced us to shift and it's shown us, oh, maybe we don't have to go to school from eight to three, right? There's different ways of doing it uh, and we can meet the needs of, of many of our students. So yeah, how do we rethink timetables and scheduling? Well, I'm glad that you asked that question. I was chatting with a school leader last week who said to me, listen, if there's one thing as I look forward to post-pandemic planning is that we are never going back to the schedule we had before. And I said, you know, unpack that for me. What, is, what does that mean? And he said, listen, eight courses at 45 minutes a piece, pumping kids in and out of the classroom to do that doesn't allow us to do sustained flow of learning, doesn't allow us to do deep interdisciplinary problem-based work. And before the pandemic, I was always told there's no way that we could change the schedule. This is how we've always done it. And now that we've moved into longer blocks where we're able to actually dig in deeply with the kids, we're never going back. And I'm hearing that from a lot of people. You know, the pandemic was this incubator to try out new ideas. And as they look forward, they want to start thinking now about what do I want to keep? And scheduling is one of them, right? And, and this idea of eight to three, to your point, of the boxed in amount that kind of aligns with the industrial cycle of work, it doesn't work for all kids. I've seen schools that started students at 10 a.m., as part of the pandemic planning to give teachers a chance to get their own students set up, their own kids, and then teenagers that were starting school at 10 a.m. and they were way more ready to learn at 10 a.m. than they were at the traditional 7.30 or 8 o'clock. So I think that there's been some real rethinking of the schedule that has been based on necessity. And people are taking stock right now and saying, what do I want to keep? What works individually for each student? And how can I set up my school differently? Uh, to align maybe with the parent work schedule, maybe with my teacher's schedule. What about teachers that want to work from home? 
and do some remote learning? What are we going to keep from hybrid learning? How do we think about continuing to flip the lesson model? What can kids do at home before they actually arrive into the building? So there's been so much experimentation that has been amazing. And the conversation really has started to shift towards, okay, so what do I want to keep? And what do I go back to? And what does sort of that new normal look like around scheduling? Yeah, I really like that idea of like, what do you want to keep from from this uh, experience? And in some ways, an experiment with education too. I want to give a shout out to my friend, Jess. Uh, She knows who she is. But what she's going to do is she actually challenged her staff, from what I understand, to sort of um, take a picture that captured exactly what you're talking about, uh, something they want to keep from from this adventure we've been on. And uh, she had um, had her staff send her the pictures. She's getting them nicely framed. So when they do return to school post-pandemic, uh, they'll have that very visual and physical reminder of of what they wanted to keep. Uh, You mentioned a number of things that schools, you know, might want to keep. Uh, I'm wondering what that is for you personally. What do you want to keep and not lose sight of? So it's interesting because a lot of what's changed in our own organization is we've been remote since March and thinking forward I think that we'll be hybrid going forward and really think about collaboration opportunities and where face-to-face makes the most sense and where moments of deep sustained work in an environment that works for you makes the most sense. So for example, when I'm working on writing or putting some thought leadership out there, I, I don't mind being in my basement now and having my own space, quiet time to do that. But I desperately, desperately miss my team for collaborative moments where we're brainstorming and coming up with new ideas. And I want to be off of the screen to do that. I want to work with Sharpies and paper and sticky notes and move stuff around. And and the technology has been amazing. I don't want to say that the technology hasn't been great because there's a lot of really excellent tools out there to allow you to do collaboration online. But I miss that in-person collaboration time. I think we'll be more deliberate about it though. And I think we'll say we're coming in with a real intense and purpose for this collaboration time and push the computers aside so that you're not distracted by the noise that comes from having all of the um, indicators coming up that you've got a new message and just have focused collaboration time and then focused work time. And I think that actually will make us all better as team members as well. That's what I challenge school leaders to think about a lot right now as well. What is the best use of each modality for teaching and learning? And how do you use that most effectively? How do you use collaboration time when you're in person with kids the best? And then what can you do online that's the best? So I think the two things kind of correspond and, and, and align for me when I think about my own work and how I've been working inside of schools as well. Yeah, I like that challenge. So, um, you know, ruckus makers take that to heart in terms of uh, the purpose of what you do across those modalities. And uh, I also appreciate what you said regarding the meetings, too. You know, we're reading a book uh, in the Mastermind called Radical Candor. And uh, I'm sure it's not, you know, earth sharing for you, but for me it was. And Kim Scott, the author, talked about separating the debate, you know, around an important issue from the actual decision making. And what I'm hearing you say, too, is actually setting purpose and separating. This is a time 
for collaboration as well, right? Not debate, not necessarily uh, decision-making, but we're going to do something as a team together, distractions aside, uh, and that clarity of purpose of, of why we're gathering is, is so absolutely important. I, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, part of what sometimes happens in schools when we're trying to make decisions is that we try to make consensus-based decisions and often spin a lot in meetings talking about things without ever kind of reaching a milestone, making a decision and moving on. And as we've been working with school leaders, there's consultation, there's collaboration, there's debate, and then there's got to be someone who makes a decision. This is the path forward and this is what we are going to get behind. And I've seen so much leadership over the last year around that. There have been so many decisions that have had to be taken. And as the news changed, as the moments changed, as the caseloads changed in different jurisdictions, leaders have really had to step up. And they've had to make ultimate decisions and hard decisions and communicate them in really effective ways. And it's been amazing to see. And there have been a lot of people that have needed support doing that. And that's okay because everyone's grown a whole new skill set. And I'm sure a lot of the folks that you work with are seeing themselves rise as leaders as well. And so being able to name that and call it and think about what have I done as a leader that's been exceptional that I want to continue to do as I move into this post-pandemic world, I think is really important. Take stock of how you've risen and how much more you can do as we get into this post-pandemic planning. Yeah, and give yourself the gift of a block of time where you can really reflect and and dig into those uh, questions that you're bringing up. And uh, speaking of questions and assessment, you know, I think you have some interesting thoughts in terms of schools exploring what they're assessing and why they're even assessing what they're assessing. So I wanted to ask you about that. For sure. So it's it's been really interesting to watch the rhetoric. And it, and, and listen, the assessment conversation isn't new. But this <laughs> this moment of incubation of learning and assessment has forced us as educators to say, how do we change our practices? And to to call into question, if you can Google the answer to a question on the test, why are we asking the question that way? And how do we push our assessment practices to really dig into the skills and competencies that kids need to thrive despite uh, what they do from a concentration or a discipline perspective? How do we help kids wrestle with ideas and get them to really think about deepening their understanding through dialogue and discourse that we can create as teachers? And then how do we assess conversations? How do we assess through observations of what students are doing and also through the products that they create? Be those, you know, final essays, products that they do test and not just always focusing on the end products. So we talk a lot about conversations, observations and products. And online learning or hybrid learning, depending on what model you're in, and hopefully, um, you know, at this point, people can see a light at the end of the tunnel and and we might be coming out of complete remote learning in certain jurisdictions. Um, But it really does pair nicely with competency-based assessment models. And that idea of adaptive timetables and creating authentic projects that kids can deeply engage in over a sustained period of time. And that sort of flipped classroom approach where I can consume the content before I arrive in class. And then the class time, to my point around collaboration, can be used for generative discussion, for collaborative discourse, to really debate. That's 
when as a teacher, you can see, did the, did the student really understand the content? Because if you can play with content and you can use it in different ways, you can see much more about what they know. So that's really kind of where I look at what can we do to play? What can we do with the experiments that we've taken in this moment to really push our practice forward? I've seen a lot of the opposite happening where I've seen a lot of how do I set up my student's home classroom to really mimic what test taking looks like inside of my regular classroom? How do I set up two devices to make sure that they're really not cheating on the test, right? And so that is also a moment where people need to take stock of what is the approach that I'm using in the classroom to teach? Is it a traditional approach of lockstep teacher-led lessons accompanied by sort of those daily worksheets that are assessed through tests only where students are memorizing and regurgitating facts? Is that the best way for them to be assessed? And I'm not saying that tests don't have their place. I'm just saying that we need to vary and balance out the assessment approaches that we're using with students um, and really rethink what's the fundamental purpose of assessment in a world where kind of memory recall tests can't be administered with fidelity, which is the moment we were in, we need to evolve what we're doing around assessment and really help students see themselves on this continuum of learning that helps them spark deeper understanding and engagement. So I feel pretty strongly about it. You know, with my own children, I always look at the skills piece of the report card first before I look at the content-based piece. Because for me, independence, resourcefulness, organization, creativity, collaboration, those are the skills that are going to take them forward in a, in a really, really important way when they leave the world of school. So that's my two cents on assessment. Oh, it's a powerful two cents, you know, and what you're talking about is at the core of, of what will help you be uh, successful and flexible and uh, adaptable to all, all the different types of experiences, you know, that, that people are going to face in the future. Uh, and if if you're worried about taking school and just putting it online the same way or, you know, how to stop kids from cheating and this kind of thing, you know, if you're asking the right kind of questions, you can't cheat. Like you can't cheat exactly. on it, right? You know, there's, <laughs> exactly. and if you're asking a kid to perform, right, who's going to show up besides that kid to do the performance? And so, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in, in what you're saying there. And when you're talking about deep learning, and I think you said like wrestling with the questions and the, the big problems, that really makes me think of, you know, the, the entrepreneurial spirit, right? And I, I think that's a gift, uh, for our students these days and, and what they've gone to actually uh, has probably set them up for success in the future. So I'm wondering if, if you have any thoughts around that, why entrepreneurial thinking and what we've just gone through can be seen actually as a strength, you know, for our kids. I have a lot of thoughts on that, as you <laughs> might imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, at the core of why we started Future Design School was really this notion of developing and cultivating problem solvers, kids who have a flexible, adaptable skill set and the creative confidence really to tackle whatever comes their way. And to me, that's the essence of the entrepreneurial spirit. So, you, you, you know, what you want is kids who look at the world's obstacles as opportunities that they can roll up their sleeves and solve, and that they don't need to wait until they're adults to wrestle with real issues. And that is at the core of what we do with teachers when we're helping them to rethink their pedagogical approaches in the classroom. How do you give kids real problems to wrestle with? 
How do you tell them that they're capable? How do you raise the bar on their abilities to solve real problems? And if we've seen anything that should be inspiration for these kids in the last year, it's the fact that we got a vaccine out in eight months. So if you don't believe in the power of human ingenuity and what we can do together collaboratively working to solve a real problem, and we don't take that moment to showcase that to kids and what might be possible, then we've missed the moment. And I also think that, you know, we were on track in the US to be completely freelancer gig based by 2027. I think that's what the stat was. It was going to be about 51%. I think what we've seen in the last year is that a lot of people have had to become entrepreneurial by necessity. And that is people that have lost their jobs, unfortunately, and have had to take on gig based work to make ends meet. That school leaders like all of you out there who have become entrepreneurial inside of your own buildings and districts, you have taken on more than you ever believed was possible. And you've done it in a nimble, agile way and, and really risen to the occasion. And I think that there's something to be taken from this moment to say, what am I going to do with my leadership going forward to continue to iterate education? And we've been living in the world's biggest incubator for education. And I have seen amazing examples of entrepreneurial school leaders, teachers, kids that have, you know, helped to sort out how we're going to navigate through the classroom so that we're six feet apart. It's awesome. They're solving amazing problems and they're not shying away from it. And we're not shying away from having real conversations with them. We can't ignore that this was a real problem that every single person was facing and that kids can rise. So why not, why not showcase the rest of the world's problems and see what they can create? So for me, cultivating that entrepreneurial spirit is like number one. Should be doing that in all classrooms everywhere. I can get pretty passionate about it. <laughs> That's great. I think you should be, uh, you know, and it's an exciting topic. And I really appreciate and want to honor, you know, the ruckus maker listening because they have made incredible shifts and have been agile and nimble, like you said, and, and stretched and leapt in ways that they didn't even think was possible. And it's it's been inspiring, right? Nothing short than inspiring um, from what we've seen out there. So, uh, you know, it's just kudos, kudos to you that's listening for sure. Well, Sandra, I, I can talk to you all day and we'll continue our conversation, but we're going to pause here just for a second for a, a message from our sponsor. Get world-class professional development without leaving your home. Harvard's online certificate in school management and leadership helps you establish your legacy and deliver on your vision for your learning community. Since 2018, we're proud to have served nearly 4,000 school leaders from over 110 countries. We would be honored to welcome you to our February or June 2021 cohorts. Apply today at hgse.me forward slash leader. That's hgse.me forward slash leader. Ruckus Maker, I want to tell you about a remote blended learning tool your school needs right now. Smart Learning Suite Online. As a teacher, you can create, store, and deliver lessons from anywhere. No smart board required, and your students can access and engage with your content from any web browser on any device. No matter what your classroom looks like right now, Smart Learning Suite Online offers many options for flexible learning, engaging students via collaborative workspaces and game-based activities. 
Smart Learning Suite Online integrates with tools like Google Classroom and Microsoft Teams, making it an easy-to-use way to create engaging content and connect with students. Learn more and get started at smarttech.com forward slash learning suite. That's smarttech.com forward slash learning suite. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, and we're back with Sandra Nagy, and we're talking about the future of education and the five trends that she's seeing at Future Design School talked really a lot about online learning and assessment, um, but in the report that they uh, have created for leaders just like you, they dig into mental health, social emotional learning, executive functioning skills, and equity and inclusion. And I think I actually want to talk a bit about that last topic, the murder of George Floyd and, and a number of uh, racial incidents that uh, happened in the U.S., but also around the world um, it seemed to awaken a global consciousness around race, equity, and inclusion. And we just ended the first half of our conversation talking about inspiring things we've seen from school leaders in terms of uh, entrepreneurial presence and thinking. I'd love to ask you, you know, in terms of equity and inclusion, what have you seen with some schools that you serve that have inspired you in this area? So I think the, you know, the most inspiring piece of all of this has been schools that have been looking at it holistically, right? It's, it's not just lip service to equity and inclusion, but rather taking stock of what are we systemically doing inside of our school buildings that's causing tremendous harm to marginalized communities. So schools that have really looked at institutionally, what are the barriers to really breaking down our issues here? Are we willing to have the tough conversations? Are we willing to accept the pain that comes with saying we've been doing things wrong for a long time and there's an impetus on us to really think about our unconscious bias, right? It's a powerful mechanism that can have a a really great impact on students that teachers need to recognize and institutions need to recognize. So in a lot of the schools that we work with, creating opportunities for students to actually uncover their own biases and privileges and empowering them to really reflect on and sit with those discoveries enables students to challenge their own place in the world. And they begin to pose questions and inquire really into how, why, and when policies, stereotypes, and processes become normalized and accepted. And I think we need to start by having those conversations and and allowing for there to be safe space to have those conversations, but not just with the students, right? It needs to be the teachers, the parents, the community. You need to look at data. Where are you failing students? And really not ignore it and say, what is systemically causing us to fail certain marginalized groups? And, And take a hard look. And, and take a look in the mirror at the leadership team and make sure that you really do represent the students that you serve. Because I think one of the things that's most impactful on students is when they're able to see role models in leadership roles 
who look like them, who are succeeding like they are capable of succeeding. Um, And that's where I've seen some real courage in leadership to say, what do we need to do differently? And, you know, we're not going to stop at uh, just checking a box, but we're going to continue to ensure that we are checking in on everything that we're doing and making sure that we're not creating other issues when we're addressing marginalized communities. So there's been a lot of introspection and a lot of data mining and a lot of conversations that needed to happen a long time ago. So for all of your ruckus makers out there that are are grappling with this, starting matters, right? And you're not going to get it right 100% of the time. But acknowledging that you're not going to get it right out of the gate, but that you're dedicated to the ongoing iteration of what needs to happen to really get to true equity and inclusion, I think is 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 the path forward. Absolutely, you know, you can't stay silent. You can't be inactive. You you got to take some sort of action. I want to just give two, I guess, ideas to the ruckus maker listening. One would be, um, or I guess, resources. I should say, I created a anti-racist podcast playlist for the shows that really uh, dive into this issue specifically. There's too much good stuff and too many great people to highlight right now. So just either uh, search on the website, anti-racist podcast playlist, or I'll link it up in the show notes. And then I just want to highlight in our mastermind, we'll be continuing this discussion and two books I'd like to recommend uh, would be Cast and then a book called um, The Person You Mean to Be. And those are great books talking about race, equity, bias, and just exploring how you could be a part of the solution as well. So uh, that's that's for you, Ruckus Maker. So, uh, Sanjo, I want to check in. So I know we can't cover the whole report in, in a short conversation. We dug into a bit of uh, two of the five components. Is there anything... Uh, well, we did miss stuff, but is there something you really want to share before we move to another topic and start to wrap up the conversation? I just want to make space for that. Yeah. So I I think, you know, one of the other trends that we address is really around mental wellness support. And this notion that the mental health crisis in schools is on the rise and, and that statistics are showing that many students are struggling. I think it's important. And I think it's important to underscore the fact that this is a moment where kids need to be seen and we need to really help our staff understand the warning signals that are coming and and really create safe atmospheres for students. On the flip side, what I want to say is that there, this has been a moment where some students that didn't have voice before all of a sudden have found a safe space to be in school where they're contributing in a meaningful way that they never would have in the in-person environment. And so I challenge all of you to think deeply about this notion of what do you want to keep and how do you maintain that space for voices that were not there in the in-person environment because they didn't feel safe. The pandemic has actually decreased anxiety for certain groups of students because all of a sudden, all that noise around them inside of the classroom and worrying about what people thought about them, really the distractions they're not there anymore. And when you put them back into the classroom, you may be creating the problem again. So really thinking about it from both perspectives and not just assuming that all kids who left the classroom to go to remote learning are not doing well, but actually checking in with each kid. So when I say seeing them, seeing them holistically 
and what has worked well for them and what has not worked for them. And you may be surprised by what you hear. And I think it's important to keep that in mind and not put to the conversation before your own bias ahead of what's actually true for that student when you think about supporting them. Because we have our own belief system around what they need. But what we've seen is that different kids have risen in ways that we never thought was possible before. So that would be one other thing that I would underscore in there. It's a nuance to the mental health support piece, but an important one. For sure. And it's been inspiring to see some uh, students who uh, struggled, really, really struggled in what traditional school used to look like and have thrived in this uh, different you know, space. Um, so exploring that and putting your bias to the side, because uh, at least my lived experience as a student and then an educator and then school leaders, you know, I played the game well and I enjoyed my experience and, and thrived in that uh, atmosphere, but that's not everybody's reality. And so, uh, you know, you have to be open. And I think you also have to have people around you that, that push you, right? When you slide back into those sort of biases, because uh, otherwise you're going to shut your eyes, shut your ears, and you're going to miss out on how you could actually make school better for all your students. So thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. Okay. So where can ruckus makers get the report? You know, in a, in a, if I'm understanding you correctly, too, uh, a new one is right around the corner as well. So, yeah, let's talk about that. It is. It is. So you can go to futuredesignschool.com and um, we'll we'll share the link with you as well. But there you can actually sign up to get the Future of Education report. And it will be a yearly report. So this 2020 report came out uh, sort of at the end of 2020. And a new one is around the corner, sort of late spring 2021. So sign up there. You'll get notification when the report is available. And we're always looking for school leaders to lend their voice. And we want to highlight amazing things happening in schools globally. So feel free to reach out and tell us your amazing stories because these trends do come from the real work in the field. So it's the work that we're doing. It's what people surface for us. It's it's the strategic support and the PD that we do. And we're, we're pulling real stories from that. So go to our website, sign up, and uh, we'd love to send you out a report as well. Great. I know I've asked you before about uh, the school marquee, but a lot has changed since our last conversation. So uh, if you had another opportunity to put a message on all school marquees around the world again for a day, what would the message now say? So I, I had a good reflection on this because I think the last time we talked about empathy and problem solving and whose shoes are you going to walk in? I would say going into post-pandemic planning with everything that we've learned, my school marquee sign would say, if not now, when? with a question mark. And, you know, my subtitle to that would be harnessing the power of youth to change the world. But for me, it's if not now, when we've been through this incubator, if we don't take the lessons from this now, we're never going to transform education in an exponential way. And I think we have this amazing opportunity to leverage everything we've learned, to share with each other, everything that we've learned and to build, build up all of the schools around us and, and honestly make the world a better place for kids because they have the capability to change the world. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? 
I would like them to remember that the power of possibility abounds their leadership potential here and to really take stock of what they're so proud of that they did in this last year and to double down on it and to think about all the other things that they can change moving forward because they have such amazing capability and they've shone in ways that are remarkable. So I can't wait to see where school goes a year from now. And I know that I sound super optimistic and, you know, rose-colored glasses, but I do have this sense of optimism now. There's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And we have made it through so much of the, the bad days. And we can, so many of the bad days, and we can go forward with uh, vigor and momentum and an entrepreneurial spirit. So I can't wait to see where we go from here. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.